All right, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this one-on-one -on, -one on TealTownUSA.com. I'm Eric Kura, and we are in for a treat, folks. Joining me today uh, is the phenomenal play-by-play -play announcer for your San Jose Sharks, Mr. Randy Hahn. Randy, good to see you. How are you? I'm good, Eric. Great to see you, too. Uh, making the best of the situation, but uh, it's not all bad. Um, and... Uh, as I said, just making the best of it. Yep. Uh, and how are you doing? How how's uh, being uh, shelter in place? I guess uh, without a well, know. it's it, it is what it is. We're all stuck in uh, in our home uh, home spots for the most part. Uh, I've been trying to get a little bit of uh, fresh air every day, and I've been helping out my girlfriend uh, who has a cupcake business. So I've been doing a little bit of uh, delivering for her, but at arm's length and, and being safe about it. So uh, most of the time just spent right at home. I got to say, I saw your uh, your Twitter post uh, last night uh, when you were picking up like a Sushi Confidential, uh, and I couldn't help but notice uh, the on the bag, uh, <laughs> and I think I have it on here really quick because I thought it's really great to, uh, to uh, see that uh, the new hot – Frost cupcake delivery driver. Um, I'm, I'm glad. She, I, I I'm glad both of you have a, a great sense of person, uh, sense of humor with it and everything, especially going through what we're going through. Well, I think that was somebody at Sushi Confidential just having a little bit of fun because they knew I was coming to pick up some food. But I have done some deliveries there because those cupcakes are also being sold there, so that was the tie-in. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and tell me about it, about it because you I've seen it throughout the the first few weeks that we've been uh, on a lockdown of sorts. But I, I love how you've you've tried to stretch out and reach out to local businesses and and support them uh, in in a spot where it's unprecedented. Well, um, to be honest with you, I have only lived in the San Jose area itself for about five or six years. Prior to that, for the entire other time that I was doing the Sharks, 23 years or so, for the most part, I lived in Pleasanton. So even though I was in San Jose to work, I wasn't in San Jose to go out for dinner and um, you know get to know people. And in the last five years, since I've lived here in the South Bay, I've gotten to know a lot of restaurateurs and they become friends of mine. So basically when I'm doing these, um, these restaurant nights and um, Corin Dining is the is the uh, <laughs> nickname my son gave it, so I think we're going to stick with that. Nice. It's pretty clever by him. So uh, with these Corin Dining episodes, like last night's with Sushi Confidential and some others before that, Forbes Mill and Aldo's and um, Kyoto Palace and places like that, these are all restaurants that are owned by my friends. So yeah. they become my friends. They're almost all either Shark Season ticket holders or uh, they advertise with the Sharks or own suites and whatnot. And uh, these are just friends of mine that I want to help out because these are the same people that when I've needed a donation for a charity event or something like that, that I'm putting together or that the sharks are putting together. These are all the, was the people that are uh, first in line to step up and help. And now they need help. So it's our turn to do that. So that's what that's all about it about. Um, some people are reacting online with their own suggestions of what I should do next and which restaurant <laughs> I should talk about next. For now, I'm just sticking with my friends, my favorite ones, and we'll see if it uh, has to go on for much longer than that. Hopefully not. Oh, goodness. Now, is there a certain, not to put you on the spot, but is there a certain sushi or a certain pasta dish? I thought I saw a cannoli uh, the other day that 
I'm like, I wanted to reach reach through the the screen and, and <laughs> take a bite on. Well, I mean, all of those places are good because that's number one why I go there. Uh, <laughs> good food attracts you to the restaurant, right? right? Even if it's your friend, if his food sucked, I don't know how much you'd go there. <laughs> so their food is all good. Uh, and I do have favorites from each place, like Sushi Confidential. I didn't even actually have it in the video, but they do a, a, a dish called Salmon Bombs, which is my favorite thing there. It's, it's uh, I never don't get it, although for this particular um, video I did last night, I, I chose not to just because I wanted to show some more of the things that they do there. Uh, and Aldo's, uh, I, I've never had anything that didn't taste good there. Uh, Forbes Mill steaks, you know, and it goes on and on. Kyoto Palace has, has a great uh, uh, beef and lobster, uh, you know, uh, barbecue type style uh, Japanese restaurant, teppanyaki, uh, teppanyaki, I think it's called. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, there's just something about all those places where I do have favorites. That's for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, no. And appreciated immensely. You kind of inspired me to go to like, like my favorite Mexican place. We've gone like a couple of times and they, they've been appreciate the support uh, through this for sure. Well, and, and if I can add one thing for people who are thinking of do it, this is not the time to use a gift card that you had in your drawer from one of those restaurants that you now want to go patronize, they, they need new business now. So save the gift card for later on, go in there, pay full price. Don't ask to get your frequent visitor card stamped and all that stuff. I mean, people are in a tough spot in these businesses right now and, uh, and they need our help. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate it. And like I said, you, you kind of inspired me to make sure we uh, reach out to some of the restaurants that have given us so much before. Um, turning to, to hockey, uh, of course, you know, what's that? Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, you know, that thing on the ice with sticks. And <laughs> um, you know, it's we're, next year. We're going into the 30th anniversary, which just mind blown. That's that we're getting to that. Um, but are there, is there a game or is there a special moment, um, that always sticks in your mind uh, when when talking to all of us, either podcasters or radio hosts or or Brody or, or such, just thinking, wow, that was unbelievable. Well, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, there's three three major ones that stick out for me. And, and the first one would be the first Sharks home game at the Cow Palace uh, in 1991. Um, it, it was remarkable. It came to fruition. Uh, it was in the most unusual of locations <laughs> compared to what we've enjoyed ever since then um, at what now is SAP Center. But the NHL was back in the Bay Area, and it was uh, it was a very special uh, first ever game that I was involved in um, working on the radio broadcast with um, Dan Rosanowski. I'm pretty sure on that first uh, ever home game, I wasn't slated to work any of the television because as fans from back in that era will remember the first two seasons of the Sharks, Joe Starkey was the television play-by-play voice. So I was only filling in when he couldn't do all of the games because of his other commitments. So the home opener wasn't one of those, but the team still included me uh, working on radio with Dan Rusinowski. So that was great. And, and, you know, uh, I had been involved with a, with a group to try and bring the team together in the first place and to actually be sitting there, at the first home game in the Bay Area, that was pretty cool. Uh, then you fast forward three years to Game 7 in Detroit, 
the Sharks' first ever playoff series, the eight-seeded Sharks against the Stanley Cup favorites that year, the one-seed Red Wings back in the day when Detroit was in the Western Conference. And coming off a, a game six where the Sharks were absolutely blown out to force a game seven, and the conventional wisdom, as you can understand, with Game 7 being at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, was that uh, the, the the fairy tale is finally over and the Sharks are going to be eliminated tonight. And then, of course, thanks to my now colleague, Jamie Baker, who that night scored the biggest goal in Sharks history, and I still believe it was, um, uh, that it seared a memory in my brain that went back to the the, the um, grassroots group we had, you know, here we were four or five years ago putting flyers on people's windshields saying, you know, NHL hockey should come to the new arena in San Jose. And here we were three or four years later and celebrating a game seven playoff win. So that was mind blowing. And, and for me, because it was the first real accomplishment in the history of the franchise on the ice, like a, a significant accomplishment that stands out as, as a huge memory. And then I have to say, even though the Sharks went to the Stanley Cup, and that was that was great in 2016 when they eliminated St. Louis in the conference final, that was a very special night as well. But if, I, I have to rank above it now. Barkley Goodrow's goal in Game 7 against Vegas. Um, Jamie's goal, I, I still contend, is the biggest goal in Sharks history. But that game was the greatest game in Sharks history. And um, and we all know how it ended and, and what a, a special night it was. So... For a handful of memories there, and I, I will add the night that they clinched against St. Louis, yeah. and and there were tears in many of our eyes knowing that the team would finally go to the Stanley Cup. Uh, that's Those are the memories that stick out most for me among a myriad of many, many others, of course. Yeah, uh, I remember we did a three-and-a-half-hour uh, after dark, and we actually got one of your sons on, and he was walking back to his car, and he's like, it's just speechless and, and brought tears to his eyes and everything. And I, I was like, that was just a special part. And game seven, uh, you know, I at the last minute decided to go and I'll never forget that game. But you, you mentioned about the, the grassroots of NHL hockey San Jose. And I got to ask, what what made it, uh, what made you think that San Jose was ready to be a pro hockey town or just for that matter a pro sports town uh, outside you know the nasl earthquakes well i i think uh, a couple of things number one the key was the city voting the the residents voting to build sap center at that time it was first known as uh, san jose arena uh, that's the key i mean without that you're just you're kind of talking in a vacuum and not only do you have to attract ownership as a grassroots group uh, and and also try and establish a fan base, but you also have to try and figure out where where the money's going to come from to have an arena built. So that's another whole issue. But that had already been decided by the voters, and the arena was going to be built. And the only question was who was going to be the tenant. And way back in those days, uh, the Warriors played in the unrenovated um, Coliseum in Oakland. Uh, Dan Finan owned them back then. So that's three or four ownership groups ago uh, in Warriors history, we're talking late 80s, the consensus was that the Warriors wanted Oakland Coliseum renovated in a major way. And if they didn't get what they wanted, they were going to move to the new San Jose Arena. And our contention as a group of hockey advocates was that, number one, the NHL was looking to expand. 
Number two, there was arena going to be put into place in San Jose. And number three, we felt that the Warriors were going to leverage the new arena in San Jose to get what they wanted in Oakland, which they eventually did. And the better opportunity for San Jose would be to get an NHL team. And that's the premise upon which we operated from the beginning was that this was the best opportunity. There was no arena in San Francisco, although there was talk of one, nothing built. Uh, the Coliseum in Oakland was going to be the Warriors. And this new arena in San Jose was going to need a team. And we felt a hockey team would be the best idea. And that's the way it turned out. So I guess we, we had a good inkling from the beginning. A very, very good inkling. And I can't thank you enough for that because, uh, you know, ho hockey's done a lot of things, uh, you know, with inspiration for graphic design, with the logo, uh, playing, let you know, let alone is great. So, and, uh, you know, we're certainly glad to have you behind the mic and, Let's hope that that you uh, get back onto the mic very soon. Um, I don't know if we, if you would do games in shorts if the league comes back sometime in <laughs> summertime, but you know, if if it is, more power to you, Randy. Well, there are so many scenarios out there right now, of course, about what could happen with what was left of the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, you know, you'd be just shooting in the dark if you were to try and guess what it's going to happen. What's going to happen? But obviously, the longer we're all locked down and the longer large gatherings are discouraged, if not outlawed, uh, the less likely it is that the regular season will be finished, uh, more likely that some kind of uh, playoff would occur. But again, that is all just predicated on all of this calming down and us being able to return to what used to be our normal lives and uh, what the new normal might be going forward. So hopefully we have more hockey before the start of next season, but who knows? Yeah, and whenever it comes back, I can't wait to be back at the Shark Tank. So Randy Hahn, I appreciate you immensely. Stay safe out there. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. <laughs>